0: terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry all right we're back and let's go right to
1: the phones and joining us as he does every saturday at 10 o'clock one of our favorite contributors both fishing and hunting nate zelinski good morning nate
2: good morning terry how are you today
1: I'm doing great. I know you're at your tournament and you want to give us an update, but I think you have a special guest on the line with you. Would you like to introduce Absolutely,
2: him first? Absolutely, Terry. You know, uh, I'm here live in Utah and on the phone we've got Greg from the Jet Truck Systems. Uh, and I wanted to bring him on. Here. Terry, you and I both work with Darren and and everybody at A&A Topper. We've done that for years. Uh, And this is a product that I actually met and heard of at A&A Topper, and it's a truck deck system. Uh, If you are an outdoorsman, obviously so many of us have trucks, and space is always a priority, whether we're putting ATVs in the back or protecting our firearms or tools in general. Uh, I mean, storage space and safe storage space and still being able to utilize your pickup is a priority. And that's how I was introduced to these guys. So I wanted just to introduce a good friend of mine, Mr. Greg, uh, with the Deck Truck System. Hey, thanks, Nate. Good, mo- good morning, thanks, morning Greg.
1: Greg. Good morning. Yeah. morning. We're going to get back to you, Greg, in just a minute because I want to talk about the deck system. The guys at A&A Toppers have been partners on this show for a long time, and they have they have just filled me with lots of information about your product, and we're anxious to talk about it.
2: Nate, first, let's get an update. Are you catching any fish? Holy cow, Terry. You know, it, it's one of those things. That everybody knows about the Ice Nick Tournament Series. Obviously, it's uh, a unique format where you know we pre-drill the holes. We're in a great... Um, you know, And with that, it really comes down to angler skill. Um, you know, There's a lot of tournaments where we might weigh 40, 50 fish in the course of a four-hour tournament. So we start at 8 a.m. We go till noon. Uh, I obviously just called in on the radio show a couple minutes ago. But when I last put out the, uh, the check, we were just weighing our 211th fish. Uh, so in two hours, we have officially crossed the scale with 211 fish at Steinecker. Um, when we said go, lines hit the water, and literally when a minute or two went by, when I looked up, we had anglers running from all corners of the course. Uh, at one point in time, we have over 50 anglers approaching the scale. Uh, so it's absolutely a hay here. It is snowing this morning. It's clearing out now. But we have young kids and families and so many people here on the ice in Utah, and it's so neat to see. Uh, fishing this good. We have so many first-time anglers and new anglers just experiencing the sport. Uh, and fishing is, is as good as it can possibly get uh, here. In I had one gentleman who weighed his third fish, uh, so he came to sail three times, and it was three of about 25 that he had caught. He's just trying to make a good decision to weigh the bigger ones. Uh, but I would say the average angler is catching 20 to 50 fish. Uh, it, it's a good time here on the ice in Utah.
1: Those are awesome. And tell people when your next event is so they know that, and then we'll go talk to uh, Greg a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're here in Utah right now, uh, and we actually have a break next weekend, so kind of kind of rejuvenate ourselves, repack up everything. And then we're back in Utah on February 6th. We're going to Echo Lake, which is going to be right outside of Salt Lake. Again, a brand-new venue for us, uh, incredible fishing. So we're real excited to go to Echo, and that's going to be February 6th. Then we have another break, and we come back to Colorado uh, to support our good friends at Grand Lake, and that's going to be on February 20th. Uh, so again, super excited to come back to Grand Lake, support a town that, that's had a really hard year. Uh, so we'll be back at Grand Lake February 20th. Tickets are on sale right now for both events. So whether you're looking for, for the Utah event on February 6th uh, or the Colorado event at Grand Lake on February 20th, tickets are on sale right now at tightlandoutdoors.com. And talking about the i system, talking about ice addiction, uh, Your your 3rd place. Prize at this event uh, is a deck system, so you can literally win the entire system uh, you know, by coming to Ice Addiction and placing, which is it's an awesome prize. You know, just shy of $1,400 value, uh, and more important than the value is just what it does for you as an outdoorsman to be able to protect your stuff, utilize your truck to the fullest. Uh, so, yeah, so we partnered up with these guys for Ice Addiction, and, yeah, I'd love to bring Greg on and talk about it.
1: Yeah, Greg, tell us a little bit about the deck system. I actually have your brochure right in front of me. I'm I'm a big fan of these type of systems. You know, Greg, the one thing I want to start out is before you even get started talking, that it wasn't only a few years ago that I thought you'd have to spend three, four, five thousand dollars to get a secure deck system in your truck, but deck has really the deck systems has really changed all that, haven't you?
3: Yeah, we um first of all I think it's gonna be great that everyone's gonna be competing for third place at your tournament Nate. I can't wait to see all the guys just trying <laughs> yeah. to find that not quite championship fish. Um so go for the bronze, everybody. Hey, uh you know <clears throat> we're uh we're fishermen, outdoorsmen, hunters, you know, backcountry skiers and, and whatnot and um everyone's got a mess in their pickup truck and not a lot of people have probably heard of the deck truck bed storage system that we make, so It's two full-bed-length drawers. We've all seen drawers in the back of trucks. It was invented by someone out of the, you know, True Value hardware section, the lumberyard, probably 100 years ago. Uh, We productized that invention, and we're able to develop something that gives you a 2,000-pound payload. On the top, 200 pounds of dry storage and secure storage in each drawer. Uh, It's totally weatherproof, um, made in America. It's actually made from all recycled um, steel, aluminum, and high-density polyethylene. And um, it's really taken off, especially in the last couple of years, once people have realized that um, we're solving that problem. Where are you going to put all your your gear for the day and still store big, heavy objects on top? And then when you pull in to have, you know, breakfast at the diner after the tournament or after a day on the water or hunting or whatever, you don't have to rearrange and move all your valuable stuff into the cab of your truck. It's all locked away, secure behind the tailgate and out of sight and out of mind. And so, um, that price, you know, three, four thousand uh, dollars. We, when we started the company, we said, if we can't make this thing for right around a thousand bucks, there's no point in doing it because we wanted to sell a lot of them, and we wanted to create a lot of value for the customer. Um, so I think we've accomplished that, and people do see it, and they just can't believe that it's not three or four thousand bucks. it's you know, thirteen forty nine, um, and it comes with you know, a couple free uh, toolboxes, D box, <clears throat> and the cross box. You get a drawer organizer and a set of dividers to kind of get you going. And then it really gives you the start to a modular storage system. So you can easily move in and out from activity to work and back to your activity on the weekends without having to completely, you know, clean out the bed of your truck and start all over again.
1: What's a website for decked if people want to go and look at these systems?
3: Yeah, you just go to decked, uh, like deckedout.com. Uh, you can check it out there. And then Greg and Darren and the boys now at A&A Toppers in Lakewood, Littleton. Uh, they sell them right there. They're great customer service, and they'll do the install there in the shop. Um, so that will save you a couple hours of your life. And if you go on Friday at the Littleton store, you can take part in uh, Katy Perry Fridays, which I hear is really going off these days. So, uh, you know, check it out online. Go see Greg and Darren at A&A and get yourself taken care of.
2: You know, one thing well, I got to say, too, is checking out your YouTube page. If you don't believe that these things are bulletproof tops, you guys are jumping on it, stomping on it. Uh, you got some incredible videos of you guys abusing the product. I think that's something that really uh, everybody should check out if you, if you aren't sold yet.
3: Yeah, we have yeah. tons and tons of content <clears throat> stuff to entertain you, stuff to educate you. Um, you can waste a bunch of time on our YouTube channel and really get up to speed on what we make. Um, and if you, uh, you know, if you're a guy with a, you know, a fifth wheel, gooseneck kind of, you know, hitch guy driving a truck like that, we also make a uh, crossover toolbox um, just released that this last week it's brand new people can check out the toolbox um, which is also made from injection molded resin um, it's actually made from asa which is what they make football helmets out of um, it's got a cool little ladder that flips out of the toolbox so you can actually get in and get your gear out of that toolbox so we have two product options for everyone um, and uh, they're both available to uh, view on our website
1: Greg, we're going to have to let you go here in a second, but I do want to comment that the folks at A&A Toppers, both Greg and Darren, have been partners to this show for almost two decades. And what you said about their service and installation, you just won't find better guys or more professional installers anywhere in the industry. Um, We love having them as a partner. And A&A Toppers is also a huge supporter of outdoor activities, not only sponsoring the show, but a lot of what Nate does, a lot of what of our other people are involved with. They they take or they participate with the affinity groups. So great people to check this product out with. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, fellas. Um, good luck, everyone out there on the ice. Remember, you know, you're going for third place today, right?
1: That's <laughs> right. I if, I was, if I was, I'd be holding back, waiting to see what third place was. Oh <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah.
2: Thank you. Right on. Thanks. Thank guys. you, Greg.
1: All, All right. right. Bye. All right. All right, Nate. Great products, by the way, Nate.
2: Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, again, I mean, for I think you hit the nail on the head. When you talk about safety, you know, there's so many times I have my firearms and my fishing gear. And, exactly, you have to run into the store. You don't want to unload it that night. It's great to know that everything's secure inside your pick up.
1: No, it really is. What else is going on? I know the tournament's taking a lot of your time, but have you got any other uh, – tidbits of information maybe some bites people should take advantage of you know one
2: thing i want to talk about is the mountain lakes for trout fishing um i don't want to say we're in the middle of winter but we've kind of getting past the first ice strategy a lot of these fish have resigned from that super shallow water um and probably the biggest thing with these trout right now as i'm fishing 11 mile fishing in tarot, i'm really trying to avoid the crowds i'm really trying to get away from the audience. So. If you pull up and there's a bunch of people around you, there's a million holes, um, that's a situation where you probably want to move a little bit. We're seeing the, the fish that have been under-pressured, um, you know, they haven't had anglers targeting them. They are still very aggressive. We're catching a lot of them. It's a perfect world. Uh, but on the areas that have been hitting hard, right off the boat docks, easy easy access points, those areas have been taking a little bit more abuse. Uh, so with that said, you're traveling up in the hills, try to walk a hair further, Jurisically gathering hard in those areas, and you'll have a great day of fishing. So that's probably the biggest thing on the trout bite. On the walleye side, uh, despite the warm weather, despite the wind, uh, the ice that has been good has been holding out. Now, obviously, Chatfield is only about you know 50% frozen, 60% frozen. The ice we have is fairly solid. Uh, but with that, obviously, warm forecast, heavy winds that we've had, uh, use caution. We're seeing more and more anglers uh, approaching out on the front range. Uh, and so many anglers just go by date. So many of our anglers are like, ah, it's mid-January. we got to be good. Um, never trust the date, never trust the, the advice you hear from people always judge the ice, uh, and take that safety into your own hands. So more just, uh, you know, public service announcement. front range, we are catching walleye. there is ice. Um, but most importantly, just check it often. I mean, check it right when you get on that ice, check it throughout the course of the day. Uh, make sure that you know what you're standing on, make sure you know what you're walking on. Uh, again, that reaction bite for the walleye is good. Uh, if I can only pick one bait. You're using those glide-style baits, jigging wraps, clam tikka minnows. Uh, that style bait is being extremely effective. So you really can narrow down one bait, go out there, fish that bottom, and get those fish really up breaking up? more importantly, that good ice.
1: Kind of broke up on us there, Nate, but I think we got most of it. Uh, thank you for joining us. But by the way, if people want more information on your guide trips, to your tournaments, tell them where they go.
2: TightlineOutdoors.com. You can register there. You can book a guide trip there. We have a ton of stuff coming up on our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors.
1: All right, my friend. We will talk to you again very soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski broke up a little bit. It's on the end. But Tightline Outdoors on Facebook and TightlineOutdoors.com where you get information on his events. He has some great ice fishing schools and trips, too, that he can take you on. And I want to reiterate what he said about safety before we go here. There's going to be good ice fishing for quite a while, especially up in the mountains, but this front range is going to freeze and wane and freeze and wane. There is no important, more important piece of equipment than a spud bar. Go with a buddy who has a rope and wear some ice picks. Um, ice fishing, we always say there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be extremely safe as long as you use common sense. We're gonna take a timeout and then we're gonna to talk to the folks at Jack's Outdoor Gear in Lafayette and they're gonna tell you how to get started snowshoeing right here on Terry Wixham Outdoors and on 1043 the Fan, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear.
4: I help in hand to lend.
2: You just want to be on the side All right, that's You're
1: way. doing okay, Kyle. You've Terry Wicks from Outdoors. Brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 65 years of serving the outdoor public. Speaking of Jack's, let's go to the Lafayette store where we're joined by Thad Raffi. Good morning, Thad.
4: Morning. How are you doing?
1: You know, I'm doing great. Um, we've been talking so much outdoors today. And one of the thoughts that really hit me is, you know, we've got so many people getting outdoors either for the first time or going back to it because of COVID and they've taken up new activities or gone back to activities they did before. And if they haven't done it for years, there's been so many advances in equipment and gear that makes it easier. One of the most frustrating things for people is if any activity they start, if they start with the wrong gear, they tend to get so frustrated. A lot of times they give up. And now we've had a lot of people out hiking and walking over the summer And a lot of them want to continue that. And I'm seeing a move into snowshoeing. We have great snowshoeing trails in Colorado. Um, So if I came into the store in Lafayette and said, Thad, I want to get started snowshoeing, how do you keep me from getting frustrated? What do you need to know? How do you deal with that?
4: Well, the nice thing about snowshoeing is, is it's pretty easy for anyone to be able to just jump right into. It's not like skiing or some more technical sports where you have to have a lot of knowledge and get a lot of training you can essentially strap these shoes on you'll walk a little awkward until you get used to it but you can just move straight into it so um, we just try to figure out um sort of what people's goals are if you're going to be just purely a recreational snowshoer that's going to be going on 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 short day trips on fairly packed or level ground we're going to give you a little bit different snowshoe than if you're planning on doing hut trips or doing something a little more aggressive but really, you can start anywhere um, from a really, really basic shoe all the way up to a super advanced shoe. You're just going to get a bit, little bit different feature set with those.
1: Well, let's say that as starting out, I, like, I do a lot. Of, when Karen and I go, a lot of times we just do day trips up to Rocky Mountain National Park up by Sprague Lake, usually a pretty packed trail. We go to get some exercise. It's beautiful up there. So what kind of a shoe? What am I going to start with and what's going to cost me to get a snowshoe for that activity?
4: Um, you're going to start around about $130, and that's going to be your most basic shoe um, that has the most basic binding. It's going to be easy to get in and out of. Um, it's going to do the job for what you want it to do uh, at a fairly low price. Um, and then, you know, anyway, anywhere from like that up to about the $200 level where you get some nicer features to them would be great for, for doing something like that.
1: What else do I need? Do I need poles or do I need um, any kind of special clothing? What should I be looking at?
4: So essentially, you know, um, just play it smart with that type of thing. Uh, On more packed uh, snow, stuff like that, poles aren't strictly necessary. They can be a little bit cumbersome. If you're going to be in deeper snow, um, poles definitely help you with balance. Or if you end up falling over, it, it certainly helps you to extract yourself from deep snow. Um, And then as far as uh, footwear goes, something waterproof, either a hiker if it's warmer weather or um, an insulated waterproof boot. Um, And then, you know, just what you typically wear, synthetic or or wool clothing, um, something that wicks very well that's going to keep you dry and warm.
1: What about gaiters, something to keep the snow from getting in my shoes or up in my snow pants?
4: Yeah, yeah, gaiters are always a good idea. Um, If you're going to be in more packed snow, or if you already have some pants that have, like, the internal gaiters on them. Um, in lighter snow, you can definitely get away without doing a full gaiter. Um, if you're in deeper snow, you definitely want to do a gaiter. You're going to end up with a lot of snow in your boots.
1: So I'm going to, let's just say I want to advance past my routine snowshoeing. I'm actually going to do a, some long trips where I might even camp, backpack in and camp. Or maybe I'm hiking into a lake to ice fish or something that's that's got a long hike to unpack deep snow. What do I need to do now? What kind of a snowshoe do I look for there?
4: You typically want to make sure you're optimizing the length for how much flotation you're gonna need so um A good option is to go with a a shoe like for an MSR branded shoe. Those all have a tail attachment that allows you to run with a shorter shoe and then if you uh, get into deeper snow or doing longer trips and you need the extra flotation you can add a tail attachment to that. Um, Otherwise you want to make sure you tune um, the shoe to how much you weigh. Typically if you're going to be out um, just for a couple miles uh, without a lot of weight on your back, we'll go for a little bit smaller shoe because it's less cumbersome to walk in. But if you're going to do, you know, expedition style work um, where you're going to be carrying a heavy pack or doing long approaches, potentially in heavy snow, you definitely want to make sure you get enough length to give you enough flotation so you can move effectively.
1: Now, you and I have talked, a lot of the shorter shoes are more geared towards giving you some traction because you're on, on packed packed trails, you're probably not going to sink right, as much, right. where the where the bigger shoes are more flotation. But one people to understand, when we talk about flotation, you're, you're still going to sink in the snow some, aren't you? You're not going to just walk on top of the snow. You're going to sink a little bit, right?
4: Right. Yeah. The levitation models haven't come out yet, uh, but you, you're definitely <laughs> going to see some sinkage there. And it's going to be a lot based on snow conditions. You know, if you have a heavier, wetter snow that, that's going to compact easier, you're going you're to stay up a little bit higher. If you get one of those dry, really fluffy, powdery days, you're going to sink an appreciable amount with any pair of snowshoes. Um, but like I tell people, it's going to be the difference between, you know, calf deep and wallowing waist deep in snow. So, you know, one of those, you, you, you can really make some progress. And the other one, you're not going to get very far during the day.
1: What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make when they're first getting into snowshoeing?
4: Um, Usually they go a little bit too entry-level sometimes. Um, There are some of the binding styles that are easy and in and out, but they're not as secure, and they tend to loosen up over time as you walk, and that tends to be kind of frustrating. Um, Binding choice and something that's going to be secure and easy to use is really, I think, the focus you want to go with. Also, maybe getting a little bit too big of a shoe. Um, people, they, they, you know, look at the weight recommendations, and a lot of men will go with a 25-inch shoe, which is usually fine. But if you're doing, you know, a lot of short, really hard-packed trails and stuff like that, you really can get away with something shorter.
1: Well, you know, another thing I think is uh, I see as a mistake um, is people underestimate their own abilities. You go up to eight, ten thousand 10,000 feet, and you put a snowshoe on, and you start walking. Even a packed trail, you have to really understand your own conditioning because it can wear you out in a hurry, can't it?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to remember you have something of appreciable weight strapped to your feet. Um, you're going to be walking in a much different sort of motion. And this, any time you're in the cold or you're working your way through snow, you're definitely you know expending a whole lot more energy than you would on a on a pleasant day. You know on a a dry trail.
1: Well another thing too I think is clothing. You mentioned the types of clothing, but I know the first time I went snowshoeing, if it wouldn't have been for my wife Karen, who was much more experienced than I was, she was getting me into it, I would have overdressed. Instead of wearing sorrel boots, I wore my my Gore-Tex hiking boots. Instead of wearing all the layers I would wear if I was say going out just to go ice fishing or wildlife watching or hunting where I might be stationary I actually dressed down according to her advice. I had enough layers because, but you told me a bit of advice that I thought was really good, and that's when you get out of the car, you should almost feel cold, right?
4: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I usually recommend that to people. A lot of people are really bundled up. You know, it's a cold day. They get out of the car, and you know, the wind hits them in that trailhead, and they're like, "Oh, this is this is chilly." But you want to be cold when you start out because as soon as you're, you know, a half mile up the trail you're going to be working hard, you're going to be, you know, sweating, and you're going to start heating up. So instead of trying to peel those layers off and potentially the layers underneath already being wet from sweat, start out chilly, and then you'll warm up, and you'll end up being a lot more comfortable.
1: Well, and I can tell you what, if you're going to go out snowshoeing, make sure you wear the right layers of garments. I do some teaching of survival, and one of the things we talk about is cotton kills. And I made the mistake, and I know better, one time going snowshoeing where I didn't take my cotton briefs off when I got into my gear, when I got dressed for it, because I was only going to be a couple hours. It's a beautiful day. When you start sweating snowshoeing, those briefs got soaked. When I got off the trail, I was shaking by the time I got back to the car because I was so cold. So just make sure, you know, and the folks, you guys at Jacks, can help with every aspect of this. Why don't you tell people kind of where the Lafayette store is located?
4: So uh, Lafayette Store is going to be right off 287 uh, on the east side of the road. It's a little hard to get to if you are coming south, so you have to sort of turn around at South Boulder Road or come up through um, uh, the little development that's south of us. Um, Or if you're going north on 287, um, just north of South Boulder Road, you can turn straight into our parking lot.
1: Right, and all the Jack stores obviously could help people, but if and and they'll have the information and they'll have the gear. If somebody wants to come and talk to you specifically, when are you working?
4: Um, I'm going to be here until 5 today. I typically work Tuesday through Saturday. So any time in the afternoon, I'll definitely be here any of those days.
1: All right, Thad, thank you so much. That was great information because I know a lot of people, you know, we're just getting into some of the best snow, Any. Real quick, got a couple spots you'd send people to if they want to go snowshoeing?
4: Um, close to our area, typically, like the, the Nederland area, either um, south into the James Peak Wilderness Area or Brainerd Lake are super, super popular areas, and there's a lot of great trails.
1: All right, my friend, that was great information. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to Jax for being such a great partner with us.
4: Yeah, our pleasure.
1: Thanks, Thad. That was Thad Rathi from the the Jackson Lafayette. By the way, the Jackson Loveland next weekend, uh, T-Mobile, one of our other partners, is going to set their truck up there. You know, cell phones are so important to outdoor activity now. And They're going to have a big cutout of me so you can pretend like you're seeing me. Now, go anyway, even if that's going to happen. Hey, we're going to take a time out and we come back. We're going to go back and talk some more shooting, especially turkey hunting, right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the front range from Cheyenne to Broomfield, to Lafayette, Loveland, Fort Collins. Stop by one of the stores and check them out. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays, it's Mr. Ice Fishing, Mr. Ice, the Ice Man, J.R. Good morning, well, thank you J.R. So
5: much, Terry, and good morning.
1: Hey, you know, I was thinking we're they're having that big cutout of me at the t-mobile truck at jack's i should get you one of those keep in your house so you don't miss me
5: i think maybe i'll take it fishing next time
1: (laughs) (laughs) just don't use it at the range as a target (laughs) (laughs) right
5: we don't have darts here (laughs) terry yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) speaking of uh speaking of targets we talked turkey hunting earlier in the show And the draw, because the draw is coming up, I think it's February 2nd or 3rd. Check. Anybody who's getting in the draw, please check online. Don't take my word for it. But you don't want to miss that. But even if you don't get in the draw, there's a lot of public access in Colorado for over-the-counter licenses. But people need to be getting ready. Um, You've done a lot of research on patterning shotguns and what shotguns work best for turkey hunting. and, and, And I think one of the biggest things you came up with, too, was teaching people to understand the capabilities they have with a certain shell and their gun so they understand what shots to take. And I tell you what, when we were talking turkey hunters hunting earlier in the show, a patterning must have come up five or six times. It really is important, isn't it?
5: And you're right, Terry, and I'm glad uh, people are thinking about this ahead of time because uh, patterning a gun is such a big part of a turkey hunt in particular, and, you know, that's where the Colorado Clay's shotgun patterning area comes in. And, you know, generally speaking, Terry, um, you're going to pattern a gun to confirm your point of aim versus your point of impact. So what that is saying is if you get a good stance, a good gun mount, a proper sight picture, a trigger squeeze, and follow-through – is your pattern centered over your aim point and by that i mean is the the pattern low high left or right and what percentage is it uh, from the point you are aiming at and you know guns of uh, different kinds can be very different in how they pattern by design sometimes uh, sometimes they will need adjustment or fitting and one thing i will um, make people aware of is that some of the new hunting guns i have been seeing Um, have been patterning really high right out of the box some of them we've been able to use shims and adjust and some took some more extreme measures so don't ever take for granted that your gun is shooting where you're where you're looking now you know particular to the turkey season coming up um, one thing about that shotgun pattern area at Colorado clays is you can practice um, shooting from different positions And I mean sitting, Uh, we do have a table, so if you're going to be using a kind of a bench area or even a standing, um, you have all those options at our patterning area. And we've talked before about how sitting can have a tendency sometimes to raise your point of impact versus standing. And with everything else staying the same, so something to consider and something to try if you think you're going to be sitting against a tree versus standing or rested. Uh, now other things we have talked about, Terry, is a lot of these folks bring out the the targets that's actually a turkey head or a full turkey, and that can help give you reference and help in judging distance when you do see a turkey at a given range uh, just that uh, <laughs> Uh, practice on judging distance and seeing a proper size target will give you that ability to to determine whether a target is within your effective range. And of course, as always, you know wear the same clothing, bring the same gear. Uh, if you're going to shoot off of sticks, bring them. And practice with anything that may affect your shot. Now, as far as the patterning area the rest of the time, Terry, any type of shooting, whether you're doing competitive, recreational, or hunting, Uh, This is a great area to test different guns, uh, chokes, ammunition, shot sizes, distances, and combinations to really achieve the results you need for the type of shooting or hunting you're doing. And by changing any of them, you'll change your pattern diameter, your shot distribution, uh, your pattern density, which will all determine your effective range with that particular combination. So I can't stress enough how important uh, a session on the Colorado clays pattern area can be to um, a successful hunt.
1: Well, you just hit on just a number of points that are so critical. First of all, you need to practice and pattern with the shot shells that you're going to be hunting turkey with, because I think a lot of people – overestimate the density of their pattern they get out 50 60 yards i mean you're not going to put many pellets on that bird unless you really are a good shot and have a great pattern and if you change the shot like you mentioned it totally changes your pattern and your choke now so when people come out do you have them try a couple different types of shots sometimes Do you try different yards how do you approach that
5: well it's like anything terry there is A most effective combination for any gun choke and ammo to achieve a result at a given range and one thing I have noticed is that um, extended chokes and turkey specific chokes are tending to pattern better than even the full um, you know factory chokes that come with the guns so that helps the turkey specific ammunition Uh, with the muzzle velocities burn rates and such does have a tendency to pattern better not only in um, density but distribution Uh, some patterns I have seen patterns that will blow out and have flyers um, outside of the main pattern I see areas within the pattern that are vacant And so testing different loads, different chokes and such, uh, making sure you have that good density and plenty of pellets on target is really what determines your effective range. And uh, some of these guys have come out here and had some fantastic 50-yard patterns, but the average hunter's effective range is going to be less than that. So something you need to know before you head in the field.
1: You're absolutely right. And it's something you need to work on now. You need to start coming out and shooting now. So that if you need to change shots or if you're not happy with your gun or at least know your capabilities and you can make some changes or if you're not shooting where your sight picture shows you, those are all things that aren't going to change probably in a day. You're going to need time. Do I need a reservation to come out and do that?
5: No, Terry. Um, It's never a bad idea to call and see what's going on. But uh, the Colorado Place Patterning Area is open to anyone. Come out, check in at the clubhouse, tell us what you have in mind. And we'll get you set up. Uh, Every customer gets a 42-inch sheet of cardboard with an aiming point. Uh, They get to use our patterning area, which will do distances from basically uh, close to 50 yards, uh, the average being 20, 30 yards people use. Uh, We do have a picnic table, gun rack, and uh, it's all set up, ready to go. Just come out and start getting your results.
1: Now, another thing you've got going on before I let you go is, you run something out there that I think people don't understand and that's your trap leagues. I think people think, well, those trap leagues are just for the high advanced shooters and I don't want to get involved with that. But with more and more people getting into shooting, trap league is more of a social event. I mean, that doesn't mean you don't compete, but it's kind of an event that not only practice shooting, but have kind of a social event, isn't it?
5: Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. See, And particularly now, people are looking for a fun, safe outdoor activity, and the Colorado Clays Trap League, uh, we use all seven of our trap fields spread out on our giant 110-acre facility, so we can really accommodate it, do it safe, and have fun. Uh, That league does start March 24th, and it's on Wednesday nights. We run a spring and a summer league. Uh, Now, the league is five-person teams. So if you uh, have a team or can put one together, you can call up and get signed up there. But also if you're an individual or a small group of people looking to join or form a team, we can certainly do that. And examples of teams, Terry, and we have businesses all over the Denver metro area that just form a business team and come out with their um, friends and and, uh, people that work with them at their company. We also have families do this, whether it's mom, dad, the kids, grandparents, lots of family teams, and then of course there's groups of friends. Uh every team gets to choose a team name and uh we got some really interesting team names, trust me, and it's it's fun. We shoot at times ranging from four thirty to seven PM so we can kind of fit every schedule. But Terry I, I want to emphasize that the Colorado Quays Trap League Even though it is a competitive thing, it's kind of like when you and I go fishing. We're going to compete, we're going to try, but the focus is on fun. And everybody comes out here to shoot, have a good time. Uh, We welcome all levels of shooters. And just so you know how that works, uh, everybody will shoot uh, the first week out, and then we'll break all the teams into groups of similar skill sets to compete. So oftentimes we'll end up with A, B, C, and D groups, Um, the cool thing about this too, Terry, is once we break down and you're competing with people in your skill level, um, at the end of the season, we will pay four spots out in each group. So everybody has a chance to do good and, and, uh, get some trophies and money back. Uh, fun things that we do each week, we'll add some different colored targets in the trap. So when that shows up, you break it, you get yourself a box of shells. Our league is very affordable and really all you have to do is call out here for some information, and we'll get you going. It's one of the most fun Wednesday nights you'll have.
1: All right. How do people find you if they want more information on any of the things we talked about, Jr.?
5: Well, certainly feel free to give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to the website, coloradoclays.com. Uh, all the information is there. We have links to everything, and then, of course, the virtual tour We'll let you take a look at our facility if you haven't been here, and we look forward to seeing everyone.
1: All right, my friend, I will see you soon, too. We need to get back on the water.
5: Agreed, Terry.
1: Thank you. All right. Thanks, J.R. We'll talk to you soon. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays, great guy, great people out there, great facility. Check it out. We'll take a quick time out. and we come back, I've got a few things to go over with you, and we'll wrap up this edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Brought to you by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. dire straits that'll get us hopping around you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan a couple things i want to touch base with you we talked a lot of ice fishing last few weeks we're in the middle of winter and things change in ice fishing now in the front range we've had a mild winter and ice has kind of receded and frozen again so it's not going to have as much effect with the oxygen level as it will have on the mountain lakes, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but there has been quite a bit of fishing pressure, and as these fish get pressured, you have to make better presentations, and maybe make decisions to find a few new spots to keep successful. It'll pick up again when the ice starts to go away, and people can't get out, or just before that, the water will come in, and you'll see warming up, you'll see life in the lake, and if you can get out on the lake, you can have some tremendous outings during the Late ice season. Now that's true, especially in the mountains. Right now, even though those lakes are capped, except for a few of the bigger lakes like Gramby and a few of those that just recently capped, the fishing should be really good. Yet yeah, Blue Mesa should be exceptional. Um, but some of those that have been capped for a while have gotten a lot of pressure, and the oxygen levels are probably starting to come down a little bit. So you have to change your approach a little bit. Know that the fish are going to be a little m- more lethargic and they're going to be pressured, and you're going to have to really fine-tune your presentations and maybe make a few moves to find the fish. Also, don't forget that um, the turkey draw, if you want to go turkey hunting, if you want to get to a, a draw-type area, I think that deadline is it's either the 2nd or 3rd of February, so get that in. Even if you don't draw this year, you'll build a preference point, kind of like elk hunting, so you can draw that maybe in future years. And if you're getting ready for summer fishing, Check your gear now and start buying any replacement line, rods, reels you need. I think the supply chain could be tight this year. Not sure, but COVID has really affected things. Now, to change things up for a minute, let's go. Is Dan Jacobs in the studio? I'm here. Oh, there he is. Are you, are you avoiding me, are you screening your calls, or oh, what? Oh,
0: we're, we're very important over here. We're running around doing all sorts of last-minute preparations for the show. It's, it's quite the fascinating thing going on, Terry.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, I had an important topic on the Broncos I want to bring up to you. I'm hearing from some of my sources that the Broncos are seriously looking at Andy Dalton. Now, I can't confirm that. The reasons are they can get him for probably about $8 million. The other reasons are that he could help mentor Drew Locke. If Locke gets injured, he could step in and win you games. Or if Locke falters, he could take over and you wouldn't be throwing the season away. And it still allows them to give another season for Locke to see how he develops. Do you think a decision to do an Andy Dalton, if that's what they do and try to go with Locke, is that a decision from Elway or Peyton?
0: I don't think Elway's making decisions anymore. I think it'll be a Peyton decision. I don't think it would be a good decision to bring in Andy (laughs) Dalton. Uh, If you watched Andy Dalton this year, I thought Andy Dalton would perform better I thought when the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton, that'd be a good idea, and then he just didn't perform all that well. Andy Dalton's done. He's shot. Uh, he's a retread. He's a band aid. That I can see why you would ask me if that was an Elway decision, because that would have Elway written all over it. And that's something that we're going to talk about on the program today and tomorrow. Is because uh, that's something you know Peyton brought up. Like, hey, we went to the. You know, you're a Vikings fan, Terry, or you used to be. You're from Minnesota. Hey, we went to the. The playoffs, six different times with six different quarterbacks. That you know that's what Payton said in his opening press conference. Yeah, that means you failed every single time you tried to get a franchise quarterback in Minnesota, didn't you, Mr. Payton? Uh, that could be a problem. Yeah, you're,
1: you're absolutely right. They have been that's been a struggle, and I don't think Cousins is the answer there. I think they overpaid and they decimated their defense and the surrounding cast because of the salary cap, because what they overpaid Cousins, but. I think you're right that Dalton is shot as a starting quarterback, but has he still got anything left where he could mentor and be an emergency quarterback if this if they do go on another year with Locke?
0: Yeah he, yeah, he could be a nice little signing as a backup. Next year's a throwaway year anyway. The, on, the honest thing now for them, Terry, is they're just treading water until they get a new owner and they reboot this thing. George Payton was nothing but a guy to come in and pick players and fill roster spots and put some nice pieces together for whoever comes in and buys this thing, and then we can get serious about having a real football team again.
1: All right, my friend, I'm going to wrap this up so you can talk to people on your show. All right, thanks, Thank boss. you for that. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Join us every Saturday from nine to eleven on 104.3 The Fan. Follow me on Facebook. A lot of what you hear on the show is on Terry Wixom outdoors on Facebook. A lot of the fishing you hear talked about on this show is on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We'll see you next week. We'll let the Eagles take us to Dan Jacobson Sports on 104.3 The Fan.